0: And much of the parsha discusses the types of animals that are tar and that are tomate, what we are permitted to eat and what we are not permitted to eat. And the Ramban says that the reason why certain types of animals are forbidden to be eaten in the Torah is because they have an axorius inside of them. There's something that's cruel about the particular animals that are in that list of Tameit. And that's exactly why the Torah says that they're Tameit. Rabbi Nebuchayne explains this Ramban, and he says that the reason why they're aser to eat is because HaKadosh Barthu despises cruelty. And the fear is that if we are ingesting animals that have midas that are cruel, that might have a very bad hashbar on us. The Rambam in Marnevuchim sort of says the same Yisait as the Ramban, and he says that the Tzmeim have a teva and achzar, and that's why it's also to eat them, kidei teva achzar so that that cruel nature that is possessed by these animals don't rub off on us. Whatever we eat has hashpa on us and if we eat animals that have a cruel nature to them then that would affect our midas. And so the Torah says don't eat certain animals because we don't want their Rahmanul Islam, your nature should change. We're Yidden. we're supposed to be people of a higher calling and a golden character and if we eat things that are inappropriate, that have bad midas, then that could rub off on us. And what we see from these Rishanin is that animals have midas. Animals are also subject to certain types of midas, certain practices. The animals that are tame have Midas Vachsarius. Presumably the animals that are kosher have better Midas, have good Midas. And so we see that Midas is not something that's only a human concept, but Midas is actually a concept that could also apply to animals. And the truth is that there's a very well-known Gemara. The Gemara is an eirven and aftofa medveys. It's an amazing Gemara that there's much Musa, a lot of Musa as far deal with this Gemara. The Gemara says as follows, Amar Abyechanan, Le Lainitna Taira, Had the Taira not been given, let's, you know, in a, in a world without Taira, what would we do? Where would we be able to look for guidance about what to do and what not to do. However, without a Shulchan Aruch, how would we know how we're supposed to behave? <coughs> so Rabbi Echenen said, had it not been for the tire, we would have still had some eitz on how to conduct our affairs. <coughs> if a person would want to figure out how to be somebody that sniusted, how to be modest, and how to be, to act in an appropriate manner, in a hidden fashion, in a in a way that that's not trust. We would only need to look at the cat, and the cat would give us direction as to how a human being should behave and sneeze. Rashi explains what's so sneezing about a cat. She ain't a matel it knows where to go to the bathroom. It doesn't go to the bathroom in public, but it's sanua, it goes, it goes and finds a place to hide, and that's where it does what it's supposed to do. That's its SNEAS that we can learn from a cat, and I guess we could extrapolate other types of SNIAS. how in general, the way we act, the way, where we dress, how we dress, the manner in which we walk around and and conduct our daily affairs those could all be sort of learned from a cat the Gezo Minamala if there wouldn't be a Torah that tells us not to steal we would have been able to look at an ant and an ant would teach us a lot of lessons, a lot of Musa Schmozen could be learned from an ant, because an ant is very, very machbid on Gezo. Rashi says a pasuk in Mishlei, in parakvav, or a few psukim in Mishlei, tochin b'kayitz lachma, that it prepares in the summer all of the food that it's going to need when it hibernates during the winter. Of the ant, and Rashi says ve'in achas gezelas as chaverto and no ant ever would dare steal from another ant. Ants are very, very firm when it comes to stealing. They don't. They have their own stuff, and I don't take yours. So if a human being would study the world of ants, he would learn a lot of ethical lessons from how an ant behaves, and he'd say, if an ant behaves this way, I should probably also behave this way. Rabbi continues and says... We would learn the proper moral conduct in terms of relationships from a yayna. Rashi says, A Yayna, we know, I guess they don't have an official, you know, Ksuba with Kedushin, but they have some sort of relationship of a, There's a they They come in pairs. There's a man and a woman, Yayna, and they they are faithful to one another and once they have declared their faithfulness to one another they will not stray one yaina will never go and and go and mate with another yaina, with a, another female other than his basug and so that would be a lesson for humanity if we see that a yaina is able to be faithful to his, to his zug so human beings would also, even without a tire, would be able to learn, you have to be faithful to your wife, you can't go and run around and play the field. Once you get married, that's it. And finally, Rabbi Echenen says that we would learn derech eretz mitarnagot. We would learn derech eretz proper midais from a, from a Tarnago, from a rooster. Rooster has very good Midas. Rashi doesn't say what those Midas are, but apparently there's Derech Eretz that we would be able to glean from a tarnago. This is the Gemara in Ereven that Rabbi Yechanan sort of explains to us, how animals have Midas. And not only do animals have Midas, but we can learn, us great human beings that are the king over the animals. like Baruch says that we're supposed to be Shailates, over the animals, but yet we can take a lot of muster from animals. Even had we not had Taira, we would be able to understand a lot of basic things from, from the different parts of the animal kingdom. Now first of all, some of you may be bothered by how the Rishayim would deal with the Skimara, because it sounded from the Rambam and from the Ramban, that we spoke about before, the aksarius of the behemoths that are tzmeyes, that it sounds like those are not good characters. We don't want to have anything to do with like a cat, or an ant, or any of these types of animals that are inedible. These are aksarius the like behemus, And yet you find that we're learning Midas from an ant, and we're learning Midas from a cat. From tzmeyes we learn from a cat, and so are they bad or are they good? And the answer, I think, is that, that there is an Aksarius to them, but yet we can learn from them. They have, just because they might be cruel doesn't mean that they, are, that, that they are beyond good Midas. There's a lot of people that are, are really, really not nice, but yet they have a lot of Midas that, are, that we may be able to learn from. Just because a person has, happens to be cruel by nature doesn't mean that he is beyond you know, any, anything good. He has some good elements. A cat might have cruelty throughout, it, but yet, near us. if we'd be able to just focus in on that, we'd learn a lot from the cat. And the same thing is true with an ant. We can't eat an ant, maybe an ant has certain aphelous to it, but yet we're able to take, you know, just hone in on the good part of the ant, the fact that it's very machbid about stealing and that we could take from the end, even though there is a teva of achzarius perhaps in the end. there's a pachad of Putner the very first mimer on pesach he has different volumes one on each yontif and now they're actually going into extra innings of the pachad so they're putting out you know when I was You know, up until a few years ago, there was only one Pesach volume, one Sukkot volume, one Hanukkah, one... Now, they're, Baruch Hashem, it's amazing, they're putting out another series of Pachiditzliks with new, unpublished Maimorim, and it's called Maimori Pachiditzlik. It's not just the Pachiditzlik, it's called Maimori Pachiditzlik, but it looks the same, and it looks nice together on the shelf. So, um, but in the original Pachiditzlik, in Pesach the very first maimer, he asks a very good question on Rebbeifanin. And I'm not going to quote his answer because it's very deep and we don't have time and and it's something that, you know, if you want, you can look it up yourself. But he says, look at the psukim in Mishlei that Rashi quotes part of the Pasukim about how we learn gazal um, from an ant. But if you look at the entire context of that, those psukim in Mishlei. It's in Perek Vav, Pasuk Vav. That's when these p'sukim start. And Shleimah Malach writes as follows. Leich el nimala atzel. Re'ed Dracha v'chakam. Which means, go to the ant, you lazy person. See its ways and grow wise. Asher ein lakatzin shaiter umayshel even though they don't have an officer or a guard or a ruler over the ant, nevertheless, she prepares her food in the summer, and stores up her food in the harvest time. And that's what the ant does. So the ant is a musa'er, for whom? For an otso. Shlomo is saying, if you're lazy, go to an ant. You're going to learn a lot from the ant. You know why? Because the ant goes and works very, very industriously. In the summer, it's preparing all the food, and it's harvesting, and it's putting it away. And that way, in the winter, it has what to eat. It's not somebody that's lazy, and that just, like, loaves around all day and does nothing. It's working. It's working hard to gather in the summer so that it has what to eat in the winter. What do we see? that Shlana mouth is telling us, that the ant is giving musr to whom? It's giving musr to a lazy person. So why did not Rebbechenen say, besides for saying that we can learn Gezel from an ant, that's true, because that's what, it's storing up things so it doesn't have to steal from somebody else, but shouldn't it also tell us that we can learn a certain extra midah from an ant, that it's not lazy. So it should say that we should learn Zerizus from an ant. Rabbi Yechinen should say that besides for an ant teaching us a big musishmus about Gezel, it also is able to teach us a musishmus about Zerizus. And yet Rabbi Yechinen doesn't say that, Rabbi Yechinen doesn't make any mention of Zerizus. All he says is Gezel, which is also implicit in those Tukim, but... The, the whole lead-up to those psokim is lay on the mala otzel you lazy person, go look at an ant. So it's much, much, much clear in the psokim that, uh, that an ant is teaching a lesson to, uh, to an otzel to have reasons. So I want to perhaps suggest my own answer for the Pafgaditzvot's question. What is zrizus? Zrizus is something that people think means running really fast. You know, if you get up for Davin, you got to run to the Esmadrish. And if you go to a mitzvah, you got to run and do it to And that's true, in a, in a sense. But the Alayshur points out that it's not always so simple. He says that not all's resource, if the person is constantly racing and rushing, is always so good. Because what happens when a person rushes? Very often, if a person rushes, it messes things up. There's a, an expression, haste makes waste. A person does something too quickly, a lot of times it gets ruined. If you do something slowly, sometimes that's a lot better than doing it fast, because when you do it fast, you know, you get into accidents. There's a, I think of Shlema Ibn Gabiro was the first one to say this famous quote. He says that pre mihiros charata. The produce, you know what the outcome of mihiros of being too fast is? Haraka. Whenever you do something too quickly and you jump into it and you're running and you're doing it, a lot of times you have charato like because you you mess things up sometimes. If you do things like just, you know, you're racing, and you're doing it, and you're rushing, a lot of times when you rush, it makes things bad. So he says, Rizus does not mean doing things quickly. He quotes his Rabbi, Rebbe Avram Grudzinski, who was the mashkiach in, in Sabatka, where Rebbe learned. He said that when a person wants to be kind in the mid of Zerizos. Zerizos is not in the feet. It's not in the feet. Zerizos is perhaps mainly in the mind. When a person wants to be a zarez, it has to be well thought through. He says that the Gemara says, What does that mean? It means that they are rushing around like Meshagayim in the Beis HaMikdash. If you do that, you're going to spill the blood, you're going to ruin the Shchita, you're going to ruin the malika. He says they were thoughtful people. The Qayhanim thought everything out. They had a plan, they had a scheme, they had a, a, a way of doing things. And then they did it properly, but they did it with Zrezas. But Zrezas was first in the mind. The person immediately jumps into something, a lot of times that's not good not good. You have to think about things before you do them. Once you think it out and you have a plan, now you can run and do it. But if you don't, then it's going to be very difficult. And so what we learn from that is that Zrizus is something that is not an instinctive thing that we could learn clearly a lesson from the Namoah. Because if we just say, okay, I'm going to be a czarus like the Namoah, then you're going to have a lot of problems in life. Because the Namoah... Is an animal that is a dangerous animal to learn from. And let me explain. There's a medrash in Devarim Rabbim, Parakei. It's an amazing medrash. medrash the medrash says as follows: The Mullah, the ant, has a lifespan of six months. That's the maximum amount of time that an emala could live. It doesn't live longer than six months, ever. How much is the total amount of food that an ant eats in a lifetime? A lifetime, a six month span of time. How much can an ant eat? A chita umechza. One and a half pieces of wheat. It's a joke. I mean, uh, a chita is like a little thing. That's the, that's the digestive tract of a, of a, the digest, digestive consumption, the diet of an ant in its entire existence is a chita o mefza. And yet this ant, which is so zariz, what's it doing all day? It's gathering. Every time you see these ants, you know, and if you would be able to study them up close, and you shouldn't really use a magnifying glass when you're doing that, <laughs> uh, if the sun is out. But um, when you're studying them up close, you see they're schlepping. What are they schlepping? They're schlepping chita and sa'ira, adosham. They're schlepping whole, you know, whole, tr- you know, crumbs, huge crumbs of challah. And they're, they're schlepping, you know, adosham, their beans and, and cholins and whatever. They're, they're bringing all that into their cave, into their little holes. What's it thinking? The ant isn't completely stupid. The ant must have a cheshven. Who knows? Maybe I'm going to be the lucky guy, the lucky ant that lives more than six months. Maybe I'll live eight months. Maybe I'll live ten years and I need what to eat over those. I'm going to keep on collecting. I'm going to keep on gathering more and more and more. That's what the, that's what the, the, uh, namala does all day. Maisahaya. They say the Medrash quotes the Maisah. shalish meyais kur. They once went and actually did like an excavation dig in the, in the pit, in the, in the bar of an ant. And they found 300 kur. I don't know how much that is, but that that uh, three hundred kor must be like, I don't know, maybe this room full of wheat. In the bar of the in the bar of uh, of an ant. He only needs Mamish Achito Merza, and he has three hundred kur. That's what an Imbala does. That's what an Imallah does. An Immalah is a hoarder. A namolah is a collector. It never stops. It never stops collecting. That's what it's using its reasons for. Now, if we were to learn that from a namolah, if we were to be Talmudim of a namolah, what would our lives look like? Our lives would look like many people in the world's lives look like. And that is that there are people that go, and they are going for so They have the best of intentions. But they never, ever stop. They work day and they work night. They never stop. And they're making a lot of money. They're making millions of dollars. Some people are making billions of dollars. And they still work. I have, I know somebody who is... I think recently the person was Nifter, but the person was a very big Wall Street tycoon, from guy, or sort of from. And he was into his 90s, and every single day, he would go to work to make more money. He didn't need the money. I think he could have probably retired when he was 45 years old. But he worked those years until he was in his 90s in order to make more money to make more and more and more, and you ask the person, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Do you need the money? He says, no, I don't need the money. Now, there is some good to work. I'm not saying that everybody should sit poolside and do nothing all day. It's important to work, and if you have nothing else to do, if you can't learn, you can't do anything else, so then it's probably better to work because it keeps you out of trouble. But if a person has the ability to do other things with his life, and you can make a Parnassar working, let's say, nine to five, and not 9 to 9 or 9 to 12 or 9 to 3 a.m., then that would be a much better life. But many people act like a Namoah. Many people have this instinct that I have to keep on working harder and harder. And they ask "Why? what are you doing this for? Well, you know, I don't know, I need the money. What do you need me? you'll never be able to, to use this money. Your children will never be able to use all this money. Your grandchildren will never be able to use all this money. So what are you doing it for? I don't know, maybe I'll live forever. That's the Namoah. That's the attitude of a Namoah. A is a creature that hoards and collects and constantly keeps on gathering with his rizos. Very big zariz. More and more and more, and that is not what we should be learning from a Namoah. Because that is the end of a person's life. If a person is just working for the sake of working and hoarding more and more money without any rest, without any ability to enjoy life and to appreciate what the real things that you're supposed to be doing in life are, then that's a very terrible mida to take from the Namallah. It's not normal. There's a story with the Chavitz Chaim. The Chavitz Chaim was once giving a musr shmuz to a yeshiva buffer that was going out to work. He says, why do you have to go to work? Stay in learning a little bit more. He says, no, I have to I have to go make a parinat. He says, okay, why? He says, well, I'm going to make a lot of money. And when I make a lot of money, then I'm going to support Tyre. I'm going to build the yeshiva. I'm going to give Rabbi a lot of money. I'm going to give Kayolem. I'm going to support. It's going to be amazing. You'll see. He says, I'm telling you what's going to happen, says the Chavetz Chaim. You're going to go to work, you're going to make a lot of money. He says, but if you think that you're going to be able to be generous with that money once you make it, you're wrong. You're not going to support Tyra in the end, or at least what you should be, to the degree that you should be. And the Bechah says, no, it's not true, I'm very generous, I can't wait, I'm going to make a lot of money, I'm going to support Tyra. Years later, he bumps into the Chavetz Chaim and he says, "Rabbi, you were so right. That I made millions of dollars, but that I push it, can't give it away. I can't, I can't, I can't give it to Tyler I keep needing it. I need more and more. And I feel that if I give up my money, then I'm not gonna, you know, I need to. I have certain goals that I'm setting for myself. So let's say a person starts out, he wants to make a million dollars. Once he makes a million dollars, now Ratzon assigns he wants two million. He has two million. So if I'm gonna give hundred thousand dollars to Yeshiva, that's that's gonna be a setback for me in terms of my goals and where I want to go. And it's taka true. People that make a lot of money, they, they see that it's very difficult to give tzedakah. They want to give tzedakah. they just can't. It's hard for them. Some of them do. Yechidim are able to, you know, to give what they should be and what they can afford, but it's, very, it's, it's a very big challenge. There's a great maisa with Rav Huttner, I mean with Rav Desler. Rav Dessler, it was right after the war. And there was an auction that was taking place uh, somewhere out in the, in the English countryside. After the war, people needed money. There was very little money um, around. And so they had an auction, and a lot of Judaica was being auctioned off. And this Talmud, of Desler told of Desler that he's planning on going to this auction. He heard that you could get things very cheap. There's a lot of mitzvahs. people just need cash. They're selling their bechers. They're selling their esser boxes. They're selling their seder plates. They're selling, you know, megillus. Whatever you need, you could buy their mamish pennies on the dollar. So Reb Destler, sounds very interesting. Would you mind if I come? Could I join you on this little excursion? So oh, it would be a big covered to bring, a, to bring the Rashiva there. <coughs> The Despler comes with him and they're sitting by the auction and the auctioneer, you know, starts with the first item and he says, we have a, uh, you know, a, 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 a summon box, you know, very heavy, beautiful, old summon box 17, from the 1700s and it's normally like $100,000. He says, we're going to start up the bidding with $50. Uh, and like, you know, and the sky is like $50. It's a $100,000 box. So, like, there's like two other people in the room that are even remotely interested in it, like 55, 60, so like, you know, it's unbelievable, it's 70, and okay, going once, going twice, sold, 70 dollars, the guy like, he, the buffer couldn't, you know, he's so happy, he's not a buffer, he's a, a young Cayola guy, I can't believe it, it's such a mitzio, he jumps out of his seat, he like pays for it, he brings it back to the, to the seat, and is looking at it, and bestler says, you know, that's such a beautiful b'salman box. Says, would you mind if, if I took it for myself? So the coyote guy was like, yeah, this is not cute. Like, okay, you know, I, he's my Rebbe and everything. I love him, but like, you know, I like the somebody Great steel. I, I, you know, okay, here, sure. It's yours. And the next thing up for bid was like a, you know, a, a, a Seder plate, a Kara from the in 1800s, very heavy with gold you know, we're gonna start up the bidding with $120. Like man, you know, two hundred thousand so dollars it was like ridiculous. And the person, you know, puts up his hundred twenty dollars sold. He couldn't believe it. he jumps up, he pays $120 or whatever, he brings back the Seder plate. And Revdesla is like sitting there looking, says, so That's a beautiful Seder plate. He says, I never had a Seder plate like that. Would you be able to give it to me? Because Rebbe wants the Seder plate too. But yeah. Okay? Gives him a Seder plate. The next thing up, up for bid was, I don't know, uh, 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 you know, uh, a becher, you know, from that was owned by some big goggle and it has an inscription on it has diamonds in it, you know, we're going to start the bid in $25 for this becher. Like no one else is in the, even interested, he bought a 25 he jumps up, he gets it, again, and this is the way the reseller asks for it, he gives it to him the whole day, like everything he was buying. like. So, like, the person, this tailor guy, said like, first he made, like, a mental note to himself. Next time, don't bring Rav Destler to an auction. And then, he, like, Rav Destler is, like, you know, like, smiling. He has, like, a whole, you know, crate full of, like, priceless Judaica treasures, you know, in his box. And he, like, comes, you know, the Talmud, like, drops Rav Destler off by his house. He schleps in the box, puts it on his dining room table. So, okay, we had a really great day today. Thanks a lot. And, you know, l'chaim l'shoom. Uh, the, Bacher, the This Taylor guy was obviously a little bit confused, or, or a lot confused, he wasn't so happy. came home, he was probably, you know, speaking to his wife about all the kindness that he had. Anyway, that Arab Shabbos, right before Shabbos, there was a knock on his door, on this Taylor guy's door, and there was a desolate standing with his whole crate of priceless Judaica. And he says, I'm here to give you what's yours. So the Talmud says, no, Rebbe wanted it, it's Rebbe's, I'm happy to give it. He says, no, it's yours, and I never intended to take it from you, and let me explain to you what I did that for. He says, I saw, when we were at that auction, that it's true that these are, you know, Tashmish Mitzvah, these are important objects for terms of mitzvahs, but it's Gashmius, at the end of the day, it's muminous. He says, and you were so excited about collecting all of this stuff that I felt that you were getting carried away, like your amoebas were not, there was something off about your amoebas. Like this thing that you need to collect and to have more and more and more. There was something wrong about it. So as your Rebbe, what I wanted to do was to temper that excitement. I wanted you to realize that it's not what, what's yours is not really yours. And that you shouldn't get too excited, it comes and it goes. And don't get into that mindset that people have, they need more and more and more Gashmius. That's not what you're put here for. And so I asked you for one piece at a time, I didn't want it, it's yours, I do not want it. You should have it, you should enjoy it. But I wanted you to realize that you shouldn't have this need, this, this feeling that I want to have more and more. Rabputner once said that the reason why the word ma'id means money, why is the word money used, the word ma'id used for money? Because it's the one thing that you want more and more and more of. It's, it's infinite. There's only a certain amount of farm that I could buy. But money I could have in my bank accounts like billions, trillions. There's no end to it. People today, you know, there are people that, that are worth hundreds of billions of dollars. And they love it. That's what they do. They just want to have more and more. What do you need it for? hundred billion dollars. We have no last thought of what that is. But people want it. People need more money. Obviously, you need money for your expenses and for your, you know, retirement and all that. That's all very good and fine. But I'm talking about people that are, they just don't stop and they need more, that is something that's wrong. There's something terribly wrong, that's not Zrizus. Zrizus is in the mind, the mind has to dictate where you're running to and what you're doing. And if you're just instinctively acting like an ant and you're learning your muscle about Zrizus from an ant, that's the most dangerous lesson that a person can take. Because if you're wrong, if you act in the wrong way and you're not doing the right, and you're following the ant's lead, you're going to lose your entire Elam Hazen and Haba, because the ant is not the proper role model for us, as far as reason is concerned. There are positive ways to learn from an ant. There's a Apostle in that says, Oyev Kesef lo Kesef." That if you love money, you will never have enough money. You will be insatiable. Zot Rashi, based on, a, on a Chazal, Rashi says, Oyev mitzvahs, well, yispa mitzvot. If you love mitzvahs, if you're a type of person that loves mitzvahs, you're a hoarder, but in a good way. You hoard mitzvahs, you will never get enough mitzvahs. So, I heard once from Peshemar, Virucham Gurelach, that, what does that mean? Why is Rashi taking, you know, a and distorting it? The tells says, if you love money, you'll never have enough money. So he said like this. He said, really, HaKadosh Baruch put in us this, this greed. We all have that midav greed. We're greedy. People are greedy. People have insatiable appetites. People want more and more. You know, some people collect money. Some people collect sports cars. Some people collect baseball cards, some people collect stamps. But whatever it is that Sarashara Shabbam is, I can't get enough. I need more. I'm constantly looking for more. I know somebody who is who collects old sarim. That's what he does, that's his thing. And he spends the better part of his life, and that seems like a good thing, right? He's collecting old sarim. But he said, it's a sick, he told me himself, he says it's a sickness that I have. He says, don't, I was like, wow, it's amazing. I don't you don't want to be me. It's a miserable existence. He says, I have, I can't stop buying them, and I don't have room in my house for it, so I have warehouse space. I rent warehouses to put these Svarim. He says, I haven't seen most of my Svarim in years, but I keep buying more and more of them. I keep buying. I need it. I need it. So if you're learning from them, it's one thing. But if you're just buying for the sake of buying, it might as well be anything. And a person has this, we all have, I think, this gene in us. You know, if you ever found something that you really like, it like sort of possesses you. And you just want to keep collecting them. I remember when I was a kid with baseball cards. I don't think kids do this today. We used to flip baseball cards. And... I was pretty good at it, there are there were guys in my class that are excellent. And they kept on like winning and they you know, they'd come to school with fifty cards and they'd flip and then they would win like they come home with like two hundred cards every day. And I once, you know, you go to these people's houses, they have like they have like, you know, huge crates of baseball cards. And people just keep on collecting and collecting, collecting. Why did I just to put that meat on it, in us? He put that mida on us for one reason, because we're supposed to be greedy. But the greed is supposed to be a greed for mitzvahs. We're supposed to be so like enamored by mitzvahs that should be what we're collecting. I want to keep on learning Torah because I know that every word of Torah that I get, that I learn, is like tremendous Taira. So I keep learning. I'm the biggest master because I wanna, I wanna be greedy when it comes to ideas of Torah. I want to be greedy when it comes to doing chesed. That's why I joined this organization and that organization. I want to be greedy when it comes to giving tzedakah. So I want to completely just keep on giving. That's an amazing type of greed. That's why HaKadosh Baruch put that in us, that need to hoard, because we should be hoarding mitzvahs and tzedakah. A'yev kesef yispa kesef, the pshuteh shal The kesef means <laughs> money, but it really means kisuf. Kisav means desire. Niksav is a desire. Why do human beings have a desire? Because if you love that desire, you will never have enough of that desire. But that's for mitzvahs. If we would be able to learn from an ant to be greedy in the mitzvah department, that would be a good musr But most people don't learn that from an ant. Most people, if they would study an ant, they would just take the gashmi stick off greed of an ant. And that's why human beings are like that. That's what we all do. We run and we collect and we don't stop. And we basically lose sight of reality because, because of that. There's one thing that reason of an ant is good for. And that's what Schlema Melch is telling us. And a lazy person go to an ant and learn from him. But don't learn from him the just the 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 the, the basic Instinct To be a hoarder That's not what you're supposed to be doing The one thing that you can learn from an ant Is the fact that it gathers Its weed in the summer And then it has what to eat During the winter Which means that it doesn't have A need to steal from other people Because it's not reliant On anybody else A lazy person A person that doesn't work That's not productive Is somebody that very easily could come to steal because, I have to, listen, I have to eat. So I have two ways to eat. Either I have to work and actually earn a paycheck. That's hard. I'm a, I'm a lazy person. I don't want to do that. So the other option is, well, I have to eat, so I steal. I steal. That is a terrible midah. If a person learns from an ant. That's not lazy. His midah about his hakfadon gezel, that is the beauty of the ant. The ant is not lazy, and that causes the ant never to steal from somebody else because it doesn't have to. It has so much of its own that it doesn't have the eight sahara to take anyone else's possessions. Look at this amazing medrash. It's the Yalkid and Mishle. On these tzokkim, that Re'ed, Re'chev, and look at the ways of an ant and. Get wise from it. Re'ei shebo. Look at the derach eretz of an ant. Shei min ha-gezel. runs away from Gezel. Maysa b'nemalachas is a story with an ant. Shei pilachitaachas. Once upon a time, there was an ant that dropped a kernel of wheat. A Now remember, an ant his entire life only eats a o so it, dropping a kernel of wheat for an ant, if you find a kernel of wheat for an ant, that's like the equivalent of us finding, like, a, you know, a suitcase with a million dollars cash in it. This is like what we could live on, live on for life. Every chita is out, you know, more than half of your life. So an ant dropped a chita. So if I was another ant, what would I do? I'd pick it up, I'd run with it, and, you know, that's my diet for life. All the ants, you know, there's billions of ants, they all come around this chita that was dropped and they start sniffing this chita. They smell the chita. They were able to smell in this kernel of wheat that was dropped that it was somebody else's, somebody else, a different ant had taken it and not a single ant of those millions of ants that were gathering around smelling it not a single ant actually took it they left it there (laughs) and that one ant that Taka dropped it and remembered that he had dropped it he came back and he found it there (laughs) there was no Shafet there was no much. That's what Shlomo Elf wrote and those took him in Mishle that we read before. There's no police officer that's going to arrest anybody for stealing if any of those ants would have chapped it. There's no, like in Saudi Arabia, if you're caught stealing, they cut your hand up. Nobody would do that. No, they don't have any, any self policing. But yet, they're mapped with gum on gazelle. They're mapped with gum on gazelle. They don't do anything, with, they, they do nothing wrong, these ants, when it comes to gazel. Why not? You know why not? Because they have they have so much wheat that they themselves earn that they don't need it. I don't need to steal this chita because I'm self-productive. I'm self I'm able to, to rely on my own work. People that are able to rely on their own hands for working they don't need to have that yitzara to steal. Stealing that's for people that are unemployed. It's for people that don't have a good work that they have to come to steal. That's the easy way of making money. They want to get rich quick. People that are not afraid of doing work, they roll up their sleeves and they work, and they're happy. They're making a pain I don't have to steal. What's mine is mine. What's yours is yours. And that's it. That's the media that we learn from a number, from Anamala. The zirizos that they have vis-a-vis that's unbelievable. But to some take a lesson... To take a page from the Namala's life as far as Zrisas, the raw Zrisas, that's terrible. That's going to completely ruin our life. If a person just constantly gathers and oars, he's going to be miserable. Because it's too much. It's not necessary. That's not what we should be focusing our life on. Yes, we should be successful in in whatever we do. But there comes a point that we have to look in a mirror and say, it's enough. I have enough and now let me learn. You know, I didn't quote the entire medrash before. That medrash about what the ant, you know, the diet of the ant and how it has so much extra. The medrash taka ends and says that we should learn, we should learn from that ant. The Mida of how to work in order to have enough to learn. He says, medrash ends you should be like an ant and prepare for yourself mitzvahs from illum azah, so that you have what to eat in ail mabah. You should take as much as like we said before. There is a mailah that an imallah has, we could be greedy like an imallah in a good way. If we keep on hoarding tire more and more mitzvahs that will get us to haba but most people will not be able to learn that lesson from Anamala. Most people will go with the raw instinct that I just want more and more and more money. I just want more and more and more fame. I just want more and more stuff. I collect, and I collect, and I can't, I can't stop. There are people that collect clothing. They have so much clothing, they just don't even know what to do with it. It's enough. After a while, a person has to know it's enough. And I don't have to be exactly like the Namoah. Take from the Namola one thing that's universal, and that's his Akpada against Gazal. That we can learn from the Namoah, but everything else would be a very dangerous type of lesson if Rabbi said that we should go and learn Zerizos from the Namoah. That's too dangerous for most people. Most people would not be able to withstand those types of temptations. Taka the other day I was looking I found in the Ben Yayado that Baruch Hashem I was mechavin to his, to, my yisayid is his yisayid the Ben Yayado, which was written by the Ben Yishchai, it's one of the major classics on, on the Agadita of Shas he writes on that gemara in Erebin. similar, he says like this, he asks a different way, he says that from the of Rav Yechanan Rav Yechanan says, Nitna <laughs> Yechanan had it not been that the Tire was given, we could have learned these Midras from those animals. Perhaps the Ben Yayada, and what we'll would be so bad if after the Tire was written, now that we have a Tire, why can't we learn from the Nemoah? Why can't we learn from the Chatul? What's wrong? What's so bad? I'll learn Tire. And I'll also, you know, take a course in nature and, and learn from those animals. Why El Nitna So the Ben Yayada goes and says how each of these things are dangerous to learn from those particular animals. And he says, when it comes to discussing the Namalah, and I'll read it to you. Even though there are good things we can learn from the nevertheless, we're afraid to learn that thing. Today, without the Torah, you shouldn't go to the Namalah and learn even... That, why? Because if you're taking Mus'ah from an Amala, you might very easily learn from its bad traits. What's so bad about an Amala? A person will become obsessed his entire life with making more and more and more money. Kasha nimsa, mida, ra, zunimlo. Like we find this Mida to im, ye kaf, because if you learn from Ben Imlo to be too industrious and to keep gathering more and more, Masayaik va When in the world has the Ben will a person ever have a chance to learn Cairo? Hukuesshi Kazu of Farsham's, aposoglyph onala Otzzo you should choose things to learn that will make you wise and not things that are bad so basically he asks a different question but the answer is the same that Namallah is a very difficult Briya to learn from because when we take lessons from the Namallah, it's a slippery slope and a person could become Lord after Mamma, and if you're going to be a czariz like an Amala, you will never ever have enough. That's the way life goes. That's the way life goes. There's a story with the Chavitz Chaim that he once met a um, a, a boy in Radin, a young man that lived in Radin like forever. He must have lived there, I don't know, 60 years out of his 100 year life and so he saw a lot when you live in a city for a long enough time you see a lot of patterns so Chavitz Chaim said to this boy he says what are you you know are you going to stay in learning so the boy says to Chavitz Chaim he says no he says my son is going to go and be a Tama Khafim he said one day when I have a son he's going to be a Tama Khafim I'm going to support him he says but me I have to earn enough money so that I should be able to support my son So Chavez Chaim laughs. Chavez Chaim says, you know, it's a funny thing. He says, I knew you, and I knew your father, and I knew your grandfather. And many, many years ago, I I happened to have asked your grandfather the same question that I just asked you. And you know what he told me? He said, I'm not learning, I'm working, so that I can have a son who's going to be a Talmud Tachem. And then I went, when he had a son, and he was of age to start sitting and learning, I asked him, he said, no, no, no. He says, I'm going to be... I have to work. I have to earn a lot of money so that my son should be able to learn. He says, now I speak to you and you're telling me the same thing. You're going to work in order to have enough money and these were very wealthy people. So that your son... He says, I don't know when there's going to be a a child in your family that's actually going to sit and learn. He says, but I can tell you one thing. When that child finally comes to be, he's going to be like a key He's going to be huge. Because there's so much potential that that we've been waiting to see that kid. But that is the way life is. And, you know, when you're in yeshiva, you could hear these messages, because it makes sense. These are all things that we know to be true. We know that we have to maximize our avidus Hashem in life, and minimize the malacha to make the malacha aray and the kava And when we're in yeshiva, we could we could hear these messages, and it could seep in, and it could hopefully, you know, be in some... In some crevice of our brain and stay there. When you go out to the working world, it becomes very, very hard to remember these things. And to really, you know, not get carried away. So if a person's like, a, you know, is a shoemaker, okay, there's just so much that you can do. But sometimes a person has a business and it's flourishing. And as a result of that, a person, like, just wants the chakrain more and more and more. And It's a very big Nisayin for a lot of people. And there's a lot of Keshava people that I know personally who basically, they're very successful, but they don't have a chance to learn. They have enough money, (coughs) mamish literally to support their great-great-grandchildren. But they just keep on like ants hoarding more and more and more for that day that will never come that they'll be able to sit and learn. And Mala is a wonderful creature to learn, Gazel, from but we should always remember when we're looking towards animals to teach us Midas and animals don't have a Shulchan and animals don't have Nasei to be able to understand the specifics if we're learning from an Amala then that is the kiss of death to be people that are constantly searching and greedy and needy and never satisfied with what they have it's a terrible life it's a terrible life, I, I, I think I say this very often I have a friend who told me that he he lives in a very affluent neighborhood in Long Island and he was once walking home from shore with a with a guy that has you know, like one of the wealthiest men in town, he built himself like he had a huge mansion, very big house with a swimming pool, with this, with that and this person was sort of like confiding in my friend for some reason and he said, like, you know, my friend said to him, like, you look a little sad. I'm like, well, what's wrong? He said, what do you mean, what's wrong? He said, you see this house? Like, the house was like, the mansion was like behind him. He says, I don't even want to go into that place. It's like a shack. It's a shack. How is that a shack? I mean, you know, if you don't want it, I'll take it. Like, well, what a shack? This is like, it's like Buckingham Palace. He says, you don't understand says, my house, my mansion used to be the biggest mansion in town. He says, and then some knacker moves into town, and he built a much bigger house than I have. So my house is not the biggest anymore, and you know, I have a pool, he has like two pools. I have one servant's quarter, he has two servant's quarters. I have one tennis court, he has two tennis courts. He says, I can't live in my house anymore. He says, it's not it's not the it's not shmash anymore to live there. That's a namallah. A namallah, I need more and more and more and I'm never satisfied. If a person was like that with prayer and mitzvahs, he would be the greatest hamad chacham and the biggest tzaddik in the world because he would always, and that's the way we should be. We should always want to have more and more and more learning. Every single minute that we have spare, we should take a safer with us. If we're at a chasna, we at, you know, not at a chasna, I don't like when people walk around with far. I think it's like Mexico But like, you print out from Hebrewbooks.org, you know, Daftumara, or you take a small little safer and you look at it during the chuppah. You You should be greedy when it comes to learning, when it comes to doing chasin, when it comes to doing good stuff. But in terms of parnasa, the Shalom gives us parnasa. But sometimes we become like this ant that never stops and needs more and more and more and that's not a life. It's not making him happier, it's making him more miserable. A person has to learn to be happy with what he has when it comes to Gashmias And minimize that Heshtavus so that like the ben Yada says that he's going to be able to find a time to be Isaac and tairi. These are the Midas that we learn from the animals that are mentioned in this week's parashah and the Midas have to be in the right aifin. Midas are wonderful things, but a person has to always look towards the on Musr to be able to know exactly how to use the Midas in the appropriate fashion. Because if we use Midas in ways that we think is what the Midas is all about, it could take us completely off the right there and take us to the opposite direction. Midas need to have a Shulchan Aruch. Midas need to have Kedalei Eilam telling us what to do with them and what not to do with them. And in Hashem, we as B'nai Taira, who are able to sit in Yeshiva and to be able to hear these truths that our Kedalei Yisrael tell us and how they define what Midas are, how they should be used and how they should never be used. They should be the light to, to illuminate our path and in Mitzvah Hashem we should go further, we should have a wonderful Zman, and we should all be Matzliach, and all that we